재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Time for International News Digest. We begin in Germany. Chancellor Angela Merkel, one of the longest tenured leaders on the world stage, having spent 11 years as Germany's head of state. Now, uh, up till now, uh, Merkel has remained fairly quiet as to whether she will not or will run for a fourth term in next year's federal elections. But there is seemingly no candidate who is able to challenge her position at the moment. Uh, There does certainly seem to be a lot of challenges, both at home and abroad, politically speaking, even if she does manage to win the election. Uh, To give us some analysis on this, we're very pleased to have joining us from the University of Sterling, Professor of Contemporary European History, Holger Nering. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us, Professor. Uh, There has been, I suppose, a little bit of ambiguity in the way uh, Merkel has signaled her intentions. But the indications seem to be, according to some analysts, is that more likely than not, uh, she will run for a fourth term as chancellor. Would you agree with that? I would. Um, Also, just uh, this morning in Europe, um, an announcement has been made that she would actually make a declaration pretty soon. Uh, The content of that isn't clear as yet, but it's quite likely that she will actually say that she will stand again because the... uh, Her party's convention is coming up in early December, and uh, she obviously uh, wants to declare um, her interests are not before then. She certainly has proven to be, um, for quite some time, a popular leader, especially overseas, uh, very well uh, respected in countries like the United States and here in South Korea. But uh, do you believe that right now she is facing the toughest political challenges of her 11-year tenure, um, her party is uh, dropping a little bit in popularity, as well as uh, a lot of dissent within her own party ranks. Uh, that's right. I think it's a, it's a major challenge. I think the uh, financial crisis uh, was already a challenge, but this is, I think, uh, yet at a different level, um, because Germany, like all the other European countries and also the U.S., are experiencing a rise in, in populism. And uh, parties are struggling how to respond. And she's never been extremely popular in her in her party. Uh, she's a single divorced woman in a uh, not a divorced woman, but she's a single woman um, in in a in a, a Christian Democratic party. And um, that was already um, kind of a problem. She's never played with with emotions very much, and so. Um, she's always sat uneasily within the party, and this is now sort of uh, coming up as uh, people are accusing her of not doing enough to rein in the populism that has, that has emerged in Germany in form of the sort of anti-immigrant alternative for Germany party. So do you feel then whatever challenges that arise, whether it's uh, within her party or uh, as she stands for elections and as you point out the emergence of these sort of far-right populist parties, uh, that single decision, uh, although uh, very much praised outside of Germany, uh, to have an open-door policy to allow in and give um, shelter to Syrian refugees, uh, that has now become really the crux of her uh, I suppose, uh, future political challenges? 
Yes, I think so, because this has brought with it a number of other challenges about her policies towards Europe, about some, some other aspects of the economic policies of her government that are now sort of all bubbling up. But the, the refugee issue is really a main, is, is the main bone for contention, and there's quite a large groundswell of opinion that I think pollsters haven't really captured that uh, is extremely skeptical about this in, in, um, in Germany. How important is it in terms of the EU and its cohesion, uh, in your view, in your analysis, uh, that uh, Angela Merkel's leadership is needed, um, perhaps now more than ever? I think it's uh, it's absolutely crucial, um, but uh, the problem uh, with her position, and that sort of would be the problem of any German chancellor, is that there's always the risk of seeming to be too powerful in the European context because there's still the specter of the danger of German hegemony on the European continent. So um, she basically needs to walk a a, a tightrope to avoid, on the one hand, being too powerful, but on the other hand, uh, trying to prevent um, complete disintegration, which we can already see happening. Uh, to a certain extent, because, for example, her, her emphasis and, and also her finance minister's emphasis on fiscal austerity, in, uh, especially in southern Europe, um, has been extremely unpopular. And so this has lost some support. Uh, there are other issues that are contentious than with other countries in, in Europe. So it's very difficult to hold that together. And that's not even talking about issues such as, uh, for example, defense and the transatlantic relationship, uh, which, which are also now, again, sort of unraveling, or at least the security we've had for quite some time has, has, has been um, shattered. Yeah, speaking of that... We know that, and it's very interesting when you have these kind of political labels as to where you lie in the spectrum. Uh, Merkel and her party being considered center-right, uh, but uh, the, by all accounts uh, had a very warm and uh, very uh, fruitful relationship with the outgoing U.S. President uh, Barack Obama. Uh, the uh, recent shock election, I think most people feel, <laughs> results of yeah. Donald Trump becoming uh, the uh, president-elect, uh, we had people like Marine Le Pen, of course, who were very much happy about this development and uh, perhaps uh, hoping that it aids her political fortunes. Merkel obviously has been a little bit more skeptical as to Trump and some of his rhetoric, uh, in particularly in regards to NATO and some of the other transatlantic issues. All of this kind of seems to indicate there is a dwindling number of so-called reasonable conservatives and um, even some people saying maybe Merkel should be considered the new leader of the free world. Are these all hyperbole? Uh, I think I think they are because those are, those are shoes that uh, a German chancellor simply cannot fill. Mm. Um, yes, uh, Germany has made some uh, commitments, especially in defense. Uh, they want to go up with defense spending um, to 2% of GDP. Um, at the moment, this is actually closer, sitting uh, uh, sitting closer to one percent. So this is a big ask. This will happen over the next. Uh, that's at least the plan. And over the next seven, eight years or so, uh, they have taken a more active role in in Europe and also um, around the world. But for example, Germany does not have a permanent seat in the UN Security Council. Mm-hmm. Um, Germany is in NATO, but Germany does not, for example, have nuclear weapons. Um, and that is ultimately the currency of power politics that will matter. So she can fulfill 
uh, expectations in terms of the rhetoric, but in, if we are looking at real power, it's going to be quite a struggle. And especially it's going to be a, a struggle because even if this were a possibility at some point later in the future, it would take too long for that to come into place. Um, and we don't know whether, A, it will be still needed or whether it will be far too late. And that is sort of why I think a lot of people, including in the United States, including people uh, all over the world who've been looking at these upcoming elections in Germany, feel that it is so important uh, what with the uh, rising populist sentiment and people voting in droves for things like uh, the Brexit or uh, the shock U.S. elections where you never really expected that groundswell of populist anger uh, from the right uh, could result in these uh, very, uh, very dramatic election victory results. Uh, we don't even know what will happen in France with Marine Le Pen. It does feel like uh, Germany and what Merkel decides to do ultimately politically could sort of set a tone going forward uh, years from now as to how far and extent this uh, right-wing populism will indeed in- envelop the entire uh, Western world. Yes, and I mean, what we're seeing at the moment, I, say, I think, is, is the unraveling of the immediate um, post-Cold War order, um, or to put it more positively, the, uh, the transformation of that order. And we don't know yet where the journey is going, but we, what we can see is that that sort of liberal values in the way that we've understood them so far are under uh, fundamental threat and they're no longer taken for granted. Um, and also, especially internationally, the, the pillars of the international order uh, built on uh, an active U.S. engagement, that has been the pillar of the, of, the, of the international order since at least the end of the Second World War. Right. It's no longer, uh, we can no longer take that for granted under a Trump presidency. We don't know yet whether, whether all the doomsday scenarios are going to happen, but we can no longer take, take them for granted. Yeah. And so um, the question now is how um, the different countries are going to react. And uh, Germany, I'm sure, will play a role. Merkel is, is very well positioned for this. But my point would be it's going to be very, very difficult in terms of the power relationship, especially because one of her key partners, which has been the UK, mm-hmm. uh, has now, in a sense, moved further away right. uh, from, um, uh, from Germany through the uh, Brexit referendum. It's going to be fascinating, to say the least. Professor Naring, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me.